Time. It's been almost 50 years since the Milwaukee Bucks won their only NBA championship. Giannis Adetokounmpo is the league's most valuable player for a number one seed Bucks team that knows this is their window to claim glory. With the Greek Freaks free agency a year away, that window could be shrinking fast. The Bucks believe their time is now. Pain. The physical and mental suffering the Orlando Magic went through for nearly a decade was replaced last year with a return at last to postseason play. Hopes were high in the NBA bubble with the reappearance of Jonathan Isaac only for another brutal knee injury to sideline their versatile forward as past feelings of franchise failure seep in. Markel Fultz could only watch last year's first round exit from the sidelines. A former number one draft pick that has revitalized the Magic fan base, desperate for a new star guard, makes his Orlando postseason debut. Now! Can a wounded Magic squad, hungry for success, stun the basketball world? Or will Milwaukee ease their way to a series victory in their first steps towards the NBA title? We'll soon find out. Magic Bucks. Next. This is the NBA on PNP 2020 first round. Two teams with two very different playoff expectations here at the Magic Kingdom. Hi everybody, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Adam Pop Papa Giorgio here, joined by my colleague Spencer Penny Strode. Penny, what did the Magic have to do to have any chance to cause an upset in this series? Well, it's a tall task, but if it's to be done, here's how it'll happen. The Magic will have to be consistent from beyond the arc. Milwaukee gives up 39 three-point attempts to opponents per game. Uh, opponents shoot an average of 35.5%. The Magic will have to be consistent. They'll have to make at least 16 threes a game. Which is about five more than what they average now. They, they make 11, but continue. I, Nikola Vucevic is going to have to play like a superstar. It won't be just enough to cancel out the production of the Lopez twins. He'll have to really carry the load offensively for the team and not shrink in the playoffs as he did last year. And finally, uh, you gotta you got to thin the herd of the Bucks. Uh, obviously, Adetokounmpo is going to get what he's going to get. Middleton is a, an all-star in his own right, but you can't allow... The Eric Bledsoe's, the Dante DiVincenzo's, the Wes Matthews to exceed their season averages and pour in points from beyond the arc. 
Appreciate it, Matty Gukas. Thank you. So it's all grim thoughts in my mind. Um, I feel like it, basically it's all out of the Magic's hands, like suspensions, injuries, potential COVID-19 positive tests would have to get involved for us to win. <laughs> um, again, none of which are in the Magic's control, but it's tough. So the Magic finished their season 33-40, and 40, and which is, I think is a .444 percentage, which I don't think I've ever seen ever for a playoff team before, but... Um, actually, maybe one of the West teams has it now, but from the East side, I don't think I've ever seen that before, be it any type of lockout season previously. Um, they finished 3-5 and five in the bubble. They got beat by Jacques Vaughn's team in the second-to-last game against Brooklyn, and then uh, they beat uh, New Orleans in a game that literally did not matter at, at the end, but still, they went 3-5. and five. Milwaukee also went 3-5, and five, so they're not they're not running on all cylinders like they were when the season was was going pre-COVID-19. But the Bucks do have the best record in the East. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, they finished 56 and 17. And look, the Bucks for game one are favored by 11 and a half points. They're going to be favored by double digit points the entire way, even if the Magic steal a game. Right. It's going to take the Magic to win a couple for that to, to change Vegas-wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you made the the good point where from a three point shooting perspective, like the magic, you know, you already said the 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 Bucks they give up thirty nine uh, attempts per game, which uh, which we didn't point out, but it's 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 the most given up by any team in the league is the thirty nine. They also give up the most makes in the league, which is fourteen, but still the the bucks have like the eighth uh, yeah, top 10 defense depending on what you look at statistically like just points per game wise they give up you know 108.6 points per game which is eighth in the league the magic they rank fifth which is it's only a point three distance but they rank a little bit better points per game uh given up at 108.3 none of that's going to matter in this matchup because some of those those eight bubble seeding games, they kind of threw the stats off just a little bit. The Bucks are still number one in pace. Uh, they're number one in scoring. So I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. I mean, it's 118.7 points per game. And as much as we've touted the Magic's, you know, defense here and there, the Magic's offense, when they go up against a playoff caliber team, none of those stats seem to matter. I think they've had they they're five and 32 now against. Uh, playoff teams are or five and thirty. Actually, still five and thirty-one against teams over five hundred, basically yeah. this season. So, it's it's not good. There's a lot that they got to prove, and I guess we can go into the matchups here a little bit because uh, I mean, again, I, it's going to be tough for the Magic just to get one game, let alone win four in a seven-game series. No matter how weird the the scenario is that they're playing at Disney, the Bucks. As well as they play at home, they don't have you know they'll have home court advantage, but it's on a neutral it's on a neutral setting, so maybe that throws them off a little bit. Um, but and you know maybe like a, Giannis Antetokounmpo missed the last game uh, of their bubble season with due to suspension. Magic fans, including you and I, were praying that he'd get somehow multiple suspension, multi game suspension, and he'd miss like game one or something. But that that didn't come to fruition, unfortunately. But Adetokounmpo is going to be named MVP again. It's going to be back-to-back MVPs. He's 25 years old. This Milwaukee team's ready to win a championship now. Let's they they have to on from a timetable perspective as well. But I mean, they have guys in their prime. They've 
they've got it to where, you know, Mike Budenholzer has this team where they're the best in the East until someone knocks them off. And whether, you know, if they don't get to the finals, it's going to be a massive disappointment by their standings. Now, whether they'll beat whoever they face in the West is another thing, but at a minimum, they got to get to the, the championship or else those uh, Adetokumbo leaving Milwaukee rumors are going to just explode from there on. Um, let's see. So, yeah, let's look at the matchup. Off the top of your head, and we'll, maybe we can talk about what you think the who you think the Magic are going to start starting five-wise, but is there an apparent advantage that the Magic have starting five-wise against Milwaukee from any type of matchup no. off the top of your head? No. Who's the closest one, then, I guess, if we I, really get into it? I may, Maybe Vucevic and Lopez, but, you know, based on what Milwaukee asked Brooke Lopez to do, he, he fills that role spectacularly. So if you're going strictly by points and rebounds, but uh, it's, uh, it's just going to be a tough matchup all the way around. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because offensively, Brooke Lopez is down. Um, he's at 12 points per game. That's it. And he shot only 31.4% from three, which that's not good on paper. So, But because his defense of reputation has gone up immensely, all of a sudden it's, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter offensively what he does. Defensively, he's been so good for that Milwaukee team. And part of that's probably because he's got Adeta Kumbo there anchoring, you know, helping out with the defense. But clearly Milwaukee figures something out. And look, Brooke is far from the joke he was defensively as a New Jersey net. Even when he they became the Brooklyn Nets, he got better. Right. That matchup between Vooch, Vooch used to murder Brooke Lopez the first couple of years. And then somewhere within the past, I don't know, three, four years is where Brooke just started getting it together. But Vooch is the all-star of this team. He has he has to he has to show up. He can't be like he was last season where he respected Marcus Gasol so much and he got scared to play him basically that Gasol played him off the floor. That right. can't happen. Vooch in the bubble has been pretty good. He's been 20-10 in the bubble. He's got his shooting percentages up from his season averages. And his season averages is 47.7 field goal percentage, 33.9 from three, which you want to see that 36 or higher percent, but it's it's not terrible. It's better than Brooke from three. Um, and Season average 19.6 points per game and about 11 boards per game. But which matchup are you most worried about from a Magic 5 perspective off the top of your head? I, well, I'm worried about who's going to guard Chris Middleton. You, the, the concern about Adetokumbo is always there, but there's nothing that you can do about it. Right. You know, and the only person who might be able to do anything is now out for an extended period of time. So are you Jonathan gonna, Isaac, right, yeah. Are, are you going to put Aaron Gordon on Chris Middleton? Uh, not out of the gate. I'd put AG on on a, de, on a Dedekumbo out of the gate. I would put Ennis on, on Middleton. And here's the thing with Ennis is, and we can talk about it now, the Magic, they've been terrible against Milwaukee recently. They lost all four games to the Bucks this regular season. But I got stuff marked down for each game that basically negates it all. So... Going into this matchup, look, the Magic, they faced the Bucks back in 2001. They lost 3-1 in that first-round series. We're going to hopefully do a pod on, on the one game the Magic did win uh, in the future here. But the Magic all-time against Milwaukee are 53-61. and Lately, it's been really bad. So the Magic have won or have lost 13 of the last 17 meetings with the Bucks. 
At home, it's surprisingly still been great. The Magic won 21 of the last 27 meetings at home. Um, so, again, none of this really matters. This is kind of an old-time perspective. But looking at the four games that they lost. So the Magic played the Bucks on November 1st, early on in the season. Bucks just murdered us 123-91 at home. This was when Augustine was starting, so Fultz didn't start. And I value this a lot, but there was no Michael Carter-Williams for that game. And we've seen it too during these seeding games is the Magic haven't had Aaron Gordon or Michael Carter-Williams for basically half of these bubble games, if not more. Right. You missed Fournier for certain games here because of a non-COVID illness. And so I value Michael Carter-Williams, especially what he was doing after the All-Star break pre-COVID-19, not just defensively, but also offensively when Fournier was out. He actually was bringing the scoring, but from a... Intimate, no, I don't even say agitation perspective. He's a very big, valuable key to this team. Uh, the second game of the four games we lost was December 9th at Milwaukee. We barely lost that game 110 to 101. We didn't have Vucevic in that game. Birch, Birch started that game. And uh, look, I love Kem, but Kem's not going to score much. Um, you can argue maybe defensively we looked better. I mean, we had Jonathan Isaac for that game. And that, that was one of the, the games where, you know, even though Dedekumbo gets almost a triple-double, like 32 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists, um, the Magic played them pretty well um, you know, for, that, for a lot of that game. Um, the third game was the second closest one, December 28th at Milwaukee, where and December 9th was also at Milwaukee. December 28th also at Milwaukee, where the Magic uh, lost to the Bucks 111 to 100. Fultz shot one attempt from the field, and we can talk about this now. But Eric Bledsoe has not looked great in the bubble so far. He got COVID nineteen. He went through some symptoms. I guess he's not back up to speed where he was. So for me, a big key in the series is not just Marco Fultz holding his own, but actually if he can somehow find a way to win that Bledsoe matchup. Because look, if Fultz is shooting one of ten, you know, or 6 of 18, which doesn't sound horrendous, but, I mean, look, it's way below 50%. You need, you need Fultz to shoot at least 40% in the games. Um, it's it's just not going to go well. You need Fultz to to really, really just find his own. And it's it's tough because you know, he played a few playoff games when he's with the Sixers, but this is going to be his first time where his contribution actually matters in a playoff series. And he, we obviously didn't play him, and you know we didn't play him at all last season when we acquired him from Philly. So he didn't play in the Raptors series. Yeah. But a lot of hope that I have for this Magic team resides on Fultz, and this is kind of one of those things where it's good to have youth in this regard because Fultz is a guy who doesn't seem to be scared of anything, for better or worse. I I, I very much like this this attitude and mindset that we're going to need from him because. I think there's a way that Fultz can can really shake up, you know, can win that matchup against Bledsoe. And if he does that, maybe we can make a little noise. Fultz on the season, look, he went from not playing at all to starting 60 of 72 games. He played 72 games this season. He was he's averaged 12.1 points per game, 46.5% from the shooting from the field. Pretty good. Not yeah. bad. Um, I mean, even looking at his free throw percentage, for a guy that supposedly can't shoot, he still shot 73%, which, not bad for big-time minutes. Pleasant surprise, yeah. And then, 
now you and then the only thing you really want to see go up in this postseason is his three-point shooting. He shot 26.7% from deep. There's been stretches this season where he's been hovering over 35% in certain stretches of the season. So he's got it in him. But And aside from the end of the game the other night, he hasn't really been reluctant to pull the trigger, which is a good thing and a necessary thing for the upcoming playoff series, too. I don't want him deferring, deferring to Evan Fournier. I don't want I, I don't want that. Like I'd rather not have him play in these games if he's gonna hog the ball because our best chances are when Markel's pushing that pace, when it's not Augustine starting, where DJ's dribbling out 10 or 12 seconds already off the shot clock, and then we have no time to either get in a set or just get a decent look. Fultz is going to get us across half court in five seconds and get us going. And that's a very big difference in my mind for that. Now, looking at Eric Bledsoe, he started all you know the 61 games that he played. So, I mean, he missed some time here and there. And, again, he's, he's coming back because of the COVID-19 uh, situation that he had went through. He averaged almost 15 points per game this season. He was hovering near all-star level for a little bit there before he kind of fell off. But he's he's a guy that even last season, he went it last last postseason, he went in known as like a playoff choker. And he didn't really show a lot to really throw me throw that notion off of him. So again, this is an opportunity I think for Fultz to go at him. Um, yeah, he doesn't scare me particularly. Um, this isn't like Phoenix Suns, Eric Bledsoe, where even like his youthful legs can can really kind of change a series. Like he's he's a veteran, he's sturdy, but he's not somebody that I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm compared to other weapons. Not to say that he's not a good player, but you talk about where where potentially can the Magic um, exploit or find some kind of advantage, and and perhaps that would be at the point guard position as a whole. I think. Fultz uh, has the length to contain Bledsoe on defense. Um, I think that the opportunity will present itself for him to um, orchestrate the offense and to to be assertive and, and um, I guess, selfish in a positive way and actually look to score the ball. Um, and then I think backup-wise, if you're looking at DJ Augustine coming off the bench, I think there's an opportunity to um, probably win some points in terms of the reserve point guard spot, too. Yeah, look, I mean... George Hill is going to be a, a big deal for them, whether he's playing you know, off ball or whatever. But, I mean, he's he's a, he's in the backcourt for them. And, you know, between DiVincenzo and George Hill, they've each averaged about nine points off the bench. If you can make sure that Augustine and Ross, who are probably going to be your backcourt, your, your backup backcourt duo, as long as they beat them, and they have to. Like, I need, TJ, you know, I need DJ Augustine to get, like, 15 points per game in a couple of these games. That's And then... Ross is going to have to drop over 20 off the bench. That's pretty much the the only way we'll be able to win a game or two is if those guys are hitting threes and those guys are bringing points off the bench for us because the goal for that starting unit is to somehow meet match up with just that starting unit. And the only way we're going to make a dent in this series is if our backup squad takes over and can actually get some points for us, I think. So. Yeah, and there's, I think there's something to be said, too, from a mental um, aspect that Augustine, maybe not the entire series last year, but certainly the iconic moment of the postseason and really uh, an iconic playoff moment for the franchise history. Like, I, I think that that has to do something to boost the mental state going into these playoffs. And the other thing, too, we talk about, don't exactly know what, the atmosphere will be like in these playoffs with no fans and what kind of uh, home court advantage will be given to the higher seeds. But 
typically home court advantage in a playoff game is roughly equivalent to four points. Uh, So already the Magic are are being spotted four points by not having to go to Milwaukee. And some of the less uh, experienced people that we're counting on, including Markel Fultz, don't have to play in as hostile an environment. Yeah, and uh, we can talk about it when we go through the schedule here in a second. Um, But... Let me just finish these last four, four games, the last few of these four games we played them. So again, we lost that December twenty eighth game to Milwaukee and Milwaukee one eleven one hundred. No Dedekumbo, no Bledsoe for the game. You can immediately throw out the window. And I know the Magic still lost by eleven, but Folds was terrible shooting wise, one of ten. MCW didn't play. Aaron Gordon two of nine. There's this is the series that I need Aaron Gordon to really. If not be the guy, at least be the second best scoring option if possible on this team because he was he was probably the best Magic player in the Raptor series last season, both statistically and just eye test wise. Yeah, he was on both ends. I figured like he he really did as good of a job on guys like you know Kawhi Leonard and Siakam as he could, and then offensively he was he went above his normal regular season statistics. So he did well there, and then that fourth la- fourth game was February 8th, uh, which was a Magic home game, which seems like a lifetime ago. But the Magic lost at 111-95. Ennis was on the roster but we, you know, after we did the Sixer trade, but we he didn't play. Neither did Augustine, and obviously we didn't have Isaac, which we don't have him for the playoffs either. But um, Milwaukee didn't have George Hill. I mean, the Magic, again, they had some spotty shooting percentages, like Wundu was 1 of 6 from the field. Evan was 5 of 14. Aaron Gordon was 2 of 12. So, Again, I'm throwing out those regular season score, you know, games out the window entirely, and like I can, I, I, I might just rip this paper that I got in front of me right now. But um, look, the the rest of the matchups are going to be interesting because James Ennis is a guy that Milwaukee has not seen on our team before, so that's one positive in my mind. The other is from an Evan Fournier perspective. And he's one of several guys on this team that are looking for a new contract between Fournier who he can pick up his player option, but he's looking for a new contract. You got Augustine that's going to be free agent. You got Michael Carter-Williams. You got guys like Wundu, Gary Clark, James Ennis himself. He's got like a $2 million player option, and I think he'd be insane if he picked that up. But if he did, he's a heck of a bargain to have on on this Magic team. Mm -hmm. But Ennis is going to have his hands full one way or another because it's probably going to be Aaron and and James are going to try and switch off each other to to guard either Middleton or Dedekumbo. Um, good luck to Fournier. They, they, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is Fournier is the, the real weak defensive link. Like I know it's going to be Vooch, but at least with Brooke Lopez, Brooke is going to be mostly on the perimeter. So then it's up to Aaron and James to somehow really just help out defensively on the wings. But, um, Looking at the rest at the rest of that matchup, especially with Fournier, Fournier can't let Wes Matthews do to him what Danny Green did to him last season. Exactly. Just can't can't fucking do it yeah. at all. Um, particularly because Matthews isn't as as athletic or mobile or as much of a threat both defensively and offensively on both ends as Danny Green was last season. And I mean. Looking at the statistics real quick, so you know Wes Matthews, he only averaged seven point four points per game. He hit thirty six point four percent from three. So I mean, look, he's he's going to be one of those kind of corner three guys where 
he's the fourth or fifth scoring option on the team. Usually probably the fifth scoring option on the floor for the most part, depending on who they got there. But Fournier this season, he's he's almost at 40%. He's at 39.3.9% uh, three-point shooting. He averaged 18 and a half points per game, second most on the team. And offensively, probably his best magic season. Uh, he started several of the years good and then tailed off. And thankfully, due to uh, COVID, you know, the, the elbow injury, he didn't miss any time, yeah. really extended time. Yeah, he played so, 66 games and started 66. I, offensively, real good year. Uh, defensively, not as good. No, and I mean, look, this is the issue with, with with Evan, and I think you agree that whatever he does offensively, one, it actually hurts maybe the rest of the team offensively because he's not distributing to an open guy when he's got to take a tough shot. Now he's been able to make some of those tough shots, but the biggest issue is defensively. And last season, you know, especially last postseason against Toronto, he focused more on the defensive end, and I think that took so much energy from him, it screwed him up offensively. This postseason is going to be interesting to see if he still gets his points offensively, but then if he gets just obliterated defensively on the other end. But the good news is, again, it's not Danny Green this time. It's Wes Matthews. And then you know, off the bench, it might be DiVincenzo. So it just depends in that right. regard. I think in terms of Evan Fournier, the, the things that he does the best are um, the catch-and-shoot threes and you know anything off of one or two dribbles. And anything outside of that is when he's trying to create and be a playmaker um, is what really bogs the offense down, gets everybody out of rhythm, and ends yeah. up with wild turnovers and stuff. The other point I'll make is that while his defensive lapses last postseason were uh, enraging, yeah. uh, I think they have the potential to be more deflating this year because you're talking about Wes Matthews, who's going to make a three and then pull the bow from the, you know, from his back, yeah, right. Uh, so and and then DiVincenzo, pretty much regardless of how talented he is or not as a national champion winner from Villanova in college, anytime you see someone who looks like that do something positive in the playoffs, like it's deflating to the team. Yeah, you're not wrong. So I, I think that whatever limited points they score, and hopefully they're limited, uh, will have extra impact in a negative sense against the Magic. Um, so, I mean, look, the two biggest offensive threats from Milwaukee are obviously the MVP and, uh, and Chris Middleton. Adetokounmpo, almost 30 points per game. Uh, he's God. Yanni, Yanni has has 13.6 rebounds per game. This is average for the season, which is absurd. Almost six assists per game. 55% from the field. He shot almost. He attempted almost five threes per game. I hope to see more five uh, more three point attempts, uh, especially when he's shooting just 30.4% from three. I can see a situation where we just let him try and shoot threes, and if he makes them, he makes them. Middleton is the one where. If you give Adetokounmpo all of the attention, Middleton's going to average more than the 21 points per game he did this season. He's going to, he's, I mean, he almost shot 50% from the field. And would have, he would have if he didn't uh, shit the bed in the last game, so I'm sure he'll come in pretty pissed about that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and almost 42% from three-point range. So, all right, tell me if you think I'm crazy, but I think from, uh, I think the Magic need to whip out the uh, the LeBron James 2009 Eastern Conference Finals uh, strategy to defend him, which is don't don't just double team him, let him get his. Whether that's 50 points, 60 points, even 70 points, I don't care. Let a Dudekumbo try and do all of it. Do not double team him. 
if you have all the the good thing is the Magic have a lot of decent bodies to throw at him from a, from a wing perspective. You know, obviously you got Aaron who you don't want to get in foul trouble or Ennis as well, but I mean, you still got guys like uh, you know Clark, uh, Michael Carter Williams, Owundu, B.J. Johnson, Melvin Frazier, who shot fifty percent from three this season out of the blue, and then like Vic Law. Like you can throw technically all those guys at at him. I, I you, if you get in a situation where you double team and then you get guys like Brooke Lopez, Wes Matthews, DiVincenzo, those guys get into rhythm and. I just don't want that. I want and look, this Milwaukee team's way better than that 09 Cavs team was. You know, the second best player on that Cavs team was Mo Williams and Ray for Alston slapped the shit out of him or well, almost slapped the shit out of him. He did slap the shit out of Eddie House, but um I I, I want to see what happens if you make Yanni just shoot like 50 shots in this game. Yeah, that's that's the only conceivable way that the Magic stand a chance to do anything productive in this series whatsoever is to limit the production of literally every single player other than Yanni and Chris Middleton. Yeah, and look... And that's not even double-teaming, which is one thing, but that's, the you know, stacking the floor, that's helping off of your guy, that's stunting at Adetokounmpo on various... None of it. You, I don't think you can afford to do any of it. Um, and you let him go one-on-one, and if he scores 75, he scores 75. Yeah, and like Adetokounmpo, he played in the six of the eight games. He he missed the last seeding game because he head-butted Mo Wagner in the in the Wizards game. He didn't had some he, prior beef with, the, with did, Wagner. Didn't he head-butt uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr. in his very first playoff series, too? I don't recall Is that. Is that his go-to move, like... I mean, I don't know. He he does like soccer, so there's. I mean, it it looked like a soccer headbutt, but this could be a situation where if Michael Carter Williams is under is on him, there could be a chance that he gets headbutted and gets bloodied up. Maybe that's the play then. That might be the play. Or again, you got guys like B.J. Johnson and Vic Law trying to get like contract money. It's like here, let let see if you can get it at a fight with a Dedekumbo and. Get them thrown out because honestly, it, we might have to get down to that. Let, let, let's be real; like, it might have to come down to tactics like that for right. us to really have a shot. So, um, whether you condone that or not, I leave that up to you. But um, look, it's man, it's tough. It's again, Dedekumbo is going to be a two-time MVP back to back, and one of the good things is there's so much pressure on Milwaukee that it might play into Orlando's hands, just like it played in Game One of the Toronto series where. You know the you know Toronto was trying to not choke choke themselves out in in another you know, first round series. They knew Kawhi Leonard could easily leave, so they had to make a deep run to make that trade worth it. And it worked out for Toronto that they won the the championship. But Nick Nurse said during that run that the toughest game they had in that series that he was most concerned about was Game Three of the Magic series, the one that we should have won here. That I was at at least in attendance here at Amway Center, but. There's so much pressure on Milwaukee, and there's literally zero expectations on the Magic, where I think by default, I think the Magic can definitely get at least a game somehow. It doesn't look like it on paper, and the Magic are going to get hot, but they have the capability. They've done it in the bubble against defense, you know, teams that maybe aren't as good defensively as Milwaukee, but I mean, they've had these 18 three-point make type games already in the bubble where, again, they've averaged 11 makes on the season. Uh, Milwaukee gives up 39 attempts on the season and uh, you know 14 makes per game. It's not implausible for the Magic to do that. Again, you got to have guys like 
Ross and Augustine, and then you know you got to have just a couple other guys chip in three point wise from from a volume perspective, whether that's four or more makes. But it's possible. I think it can happen. Now I don't want to get ahead on on the timeline here, but is a successful series one one win? Is I mean, man, I. I, I don't even think I can deem anything like a failure at this point. Like as long as like they show up and don't get murdered by thirty each game. Like even if they get swept, as long as it looks like they're giving a damn. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything's a failure unless they just get up absolutely obliterated, which is a possibility. But they're going into this still kind of demotivated. Like you have you don't. I mean we're assuming Aaron Gordon, MCW, Fournier. Those guys are going to play this series. We're assuming, you know, there could be a situation where they get a setback, and and also Terrence Ross, who was out with his, you know, his random visit to the hospital, which he not even he knows what went wrong, which that's a concern in my mind, in the back of my head. But I I, I don't know. What about you? What, what would you define it as a successor's failure in the series? Because I for me, it's I doesn't even if they get swept, as long as it looks like they're playing hard, like I I can't I can't go above that. They lost Isaac. This is just weird circumstances. I can't go beyond that. I, I don't expect to win a game. I think, sadly, you know, you're always looking for progress every season. So last year, a seventh seed and a first round exit in five games, and and this year, I think, as an eighth seed, a first round exit in five games would be a resounding success. The other thing that I'll point to is we talk about what a weird scenario it is from top to bottom, and even though there there are. Um, afternoon start times in the playoffs, three of the four games, uh, three of the four games that we'll actually get to play, right, start at 1 o'clock or one thirty. Yeah. Which I, is, which, now they're all professionals, right? And you play, I, I think, generally the most common 1 o'clock weekend game is up in Toronto. They play like 1 o'clock games there frequently, but that's not a typical start time. And we know that NBA players are creatures of habit. The midday nap is very important. So in terms of, uh, you know, schedule and, yeah. and shooting and preparation and all of those things, it's just another like wrench in the operation that perhaps could favor the Magic as the less talented team? Yeah, no, I think I think there's some benefit to it. Look, the game one, so from a rest perspective, this helps the Magic immediately. And, I mean, look, it helps Milwaukee a bit too, but I would say Milwaukee has more rest than, than, than need for, or more rust than rest really because they have no injuries at all going into the series. Like nothing. Milwaukee's just clean right now. Um, whereas the Magic, they they you know they played Thursday. They don't play their playoff game till Tuesday. Whereas again, it'll be, you know the first playoff series game start Monday, so they have an advantage there. You said it yourself. Game one is Tuesday, August eighteenth. It's a one thirty tip on TNT. Maybe we'll get Stan Van Gundy on the call for that. That'd be awesome. Um, otherwise, I'm going to be listening to Dave, you know, David and Jeff on the Fox Sports Florida feed. Isn't it funny how much he loves and respects Steve Clifford and all coaches and just hates the magic organization and ownership and how he has to balance that? I mean, I, I don't blame him, honestly. And he, he I mean, I, I, I think I've heard, I, not I think, I did hear the 96.9 interview he gave this week where he has a boycott on Amway Center because he doesn't want to give the DeVos family money, basically, <laughs> which... I look. I respect that. I. I mean, I kind of do the same thing in my mind in a way. So, um, look, there's a way to separate loving the magic or loving certain people, you know, part of the organization, and hating other stuff. You can definitely easily do that. So, um, but I look forward to hopefully SVG and I and Eagle calling this game. Uh, 
So that's a 1.30 tip, game one. Um, do we care if that all these games are going to be played at the field house or no, as opposed I, to the athletic centers or the I, arenas? Yeah, I don't think there's any. <laughs> there's no difference no, from what I've seen. No. Um, I am curious to see if they if the Magic, for at least their game three and four, were, were the home team, what they'll do from a playoff aspect perspective. Because we need any type of advantage we can get. The PA announcers for our home games has have been terrible, all of them. It's no nothing ever comes close to Paul Porter, um, and I, I don't know I don't know what more they can do to to amp up any type of advantage. Like how much of a fancy intro can you do in that situation? You probably can't, but it'd be something if they if the Magic could somehow win Game One or Two, because then that gets that gets intriguing real quick um, from a pressure perspective of Milwaukee, and then just. Maybe that that just gives the Magic just so much confidence that this could actually end up becoming a series. But game two, so it's the Magic that they, they get one day of rest in between each of these games. There's no back to backs or two days off or any of that. So um, the next game two would be Thursday, August 20th. That's a 6 p.m. tip on ESPN. Um, and then game three and four, the two Magic home games, um, are Saturday at 1 p.m. And then game four would be Monday, August 24th at 1.30 p.m. So game three is also a TNT game. So we got another shot at Stan maybe there. And, and then game four is the NBA TV game, which maybe they that means they think that we're going to get swept at that point. But um, that one yeah. is, of course, going to be on Fox Sports Florida if you live locally. But I think you're right. I think even just that, just a little bit of – Throwing throwing off Milwaukee, who I think has been playing nothing but night games for the most part. I can't remember more than maybe one day game that they've had. Um, throwing just any type of wrench into into their normal patterns or thought processes can't hurt at this point. Um, all right, we got to talk about Mo Bamba because obviously he's not going to be playing because he's out for the rest of the season as he's going to miss what I call the Chad Forcier uh, revenge series from, from a Milwaukee perspective, I guess, as he's one of the uh, the Milwaukee assistant coaches. But I, I always forget that both Vin Baker and Darvin Ham are uh, our assistants on the Bucks, uh, on the Bucks staff. Um, we'll probably talk about Darvin Ham when we go over the 01 series a little bit potentially. Uh, but look – well, one one other thing quickly for the season schedule for the schedule, the afternoon games are great for people in Greece that want to watch it because it's a seven hour time difference. So the one and one thirty tip off games are I mean it's eight eight thirty at night in Greece. So that's like prime time for the people that want to actually watch it live. So How many internationally, fans it's good. Are in Greece, do you think? There's a few and and not counting people that own a Penny Hardaway or Shaquille O'Neal. Oh well, that gets a lot. Jersey. That that gets a lot lower okay. than that, but. Uh, most will just be watching for Dedekumbo yeah. and, and the Bucks because I mean, like, there's the expectation that right. for Milwaukee to win this playoff series. But Bamba's out for the rest of the season, um, or at least the, the playoffs anyway. Um, and this was what the Magic PR folks released on the advice of the Magic's human performance staff and team physicians. Mo Bamba has left the NBA campus for a comprehensive post-coronavirus evaluation. Bomb will be out for the rest of the season. He was originally diagnosed with COVID-19 back on June 11th. Um, is there a concern from your perspective long-term for his health? Because I'm concerned a little bit. I think there's a general concern for the entire population of the entire world about any long-term health effects after contracting the virus, right? Yeah, absolutely. And look, 
some people have acted differently or have, have reacted differently. Either they've been, you know, just looking at NBA players specifically, like some have been asymptomatic that have tested positive. Some people have had symptoms. James Ennis had symptoms. He's been playing pretty well so far for us. Eric Bledsoe, he's looked okay. I don't know if, if he's still suffering from, from you know, him getting COVID-19. It's just I, I different. I will say too, yeah, that, you know, again, we certainly we have no clinical knowledge uh, and I don't think that even a lot of the experts, no one has any long range clinical like knowledge, hard facts to rely on. But it seems to be primarily a respiratory virus. So I don't know how often people are um, around NBA players in real life and up close and personal. But the the way the NBA is today and the way the game is played, the they're, they're stick thin. They're rail thin. Yeah. E- even the ones that you think are thick and bulky, while they may have muscles and definition, they're rail thin. And it's like, it's track athletes, right? So yeah. not only for, for conditioning in terms of getting your body to, to play 82 games, you've got to do a lot of running, but the games themselves, you're running miles and miles, and it, that's all respiratory. Yeah, look, the best example I ever had was during the 09 finals run when I ran into Anthony Oldman River Johnson at uh, at our favorite pizza joint back then. And the man was real thin as shit. And he didn't look like it on TV for, for a 34-year-old man. So Glenn he Davis looks- played here. He, he looked wide like a house. He wore a size 32 pant. Oh, I didn't even know that. I'm, that, I'm just assuming. Oh, that, but, oh, but, but optically, right? Because yeah. there's so... But, but honestly, you... It's all respiratory, and that's yeah. for conditioning, that's for recovery, that's for everything. So that's majorly concerning for long term, I think. Yeah, and it's look, he's gonna. Who knows when next season starts? It could be December. It could be freaking April. We we don't know. So um, I just want anyone that goes through it that that you know doesn't perish or die from it to to recover fully. Unfortunately, for some people, there's evidence that there are long-term implications in certain aspects. So, from a magic perspective, from you know, I I really hope just Mo is gets through this fine, and that it's just all about getting like his stamina up and his conditioning, and that's why the Magic didn't want to really risk it long-term. But I'll leave it at that. You know, Mo, we hope you 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 get feel better. And uh, before we get on to our series predictions, we do have a Twitter question. Um, at Small Market MBA, do you think Gary Clark should be starting over James Ennis? Penny, what do you, you want to take that one? You want to go first? Yeah, why not? So I think uh, in that aspect, uh, no, I, I think Gary Clark is very valuable off the bench because, look, the Magic, and I guess we, we didn't talk about who the Magic are officially going to start, but I mean, it's going to be what? Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Ennis, Evan Fournier, whether we like it or not. And Fultz. Right. So that means you got a second unit of Birch. And that's the other thing with Bamba being out is that the Magic only have two centers now, Vooch and Birch. So I am intrigued to see if we get in a situation where we get Aaron Gordon at the five a little bit. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but from a backup lineup perspective, it's going to be some variation of Augustine, Ross, Michael Carter-Williams. Birch and probably the fifth guys, Gary Clark. I mean, the Magic have a couple options there, and hopefully Clifford. I'm assuming Clifford's going to be a little bit flexible of rotations, just because you're going to have to throw a bunch of fouls and bodies at guys like Adetokounmpo defensively anyway. So, I you know I hope we see guys, and I didn't even mention a one do, and so yeah. I, I really want to see West get get a lot of minutes. But 
it's kind of like, okay, where's where's it going to come from? Who's getting left out? Or can he actually expand his rotation from nine or ten to eleven or twelve, which he may have to just to, from a creative perspective. But I think Gary shouldn't start. Um, I like Ennis matching up with Middleton to start and just kind of going from there. Clark, he's he's had a few defensive moments in the bubble so far. Uh, a couple really impressive blocks, but overall. I don't view Gary as like a great defensive player. He's just okay in my book right now, serviceable. Um, but I, I would I would just continue starting Ennis right now just because overall he's been really decent for us in the starting lineup. Like Ennis isn't going to be super flashy for us, but I mean James is averaging what with us this season. He's got and he played twenty nine or he played twenty games for us. He started at eighteen for him. He shot. He, he scored. He averaged eight and a half points per game. 45% from the field, which is fine. The issue is just the 28.6% from three-point range, and that's got to get a lot better. But I, I, And look, Gary Clark's been shooting pretty well for us from three, but I mean, he averaged 35% for the season for us, which that's awesome um, considering he's like a third-string guy. But I would start Ennis. What about you? Yeah, that's the benefit of having Clark on the floor is that his three-point shooting um, is a threat and that he's more of a threat than James Ennis. I will say I think that... Uh, he did a lot of his damage in the in the scrimmage games, uh, which I think is first and foremost on people's minds. And he shot the ball decent in the seeding games as well. Um, I I don't think, and and again, now that we're in the playoffs, where literally every possession matters, I don't think that his body of work with the team is such that you can count on him shooting thirty five percent from three in the no. playoffs. Um, and I think the biggest thing too is while he tries hard and gives good effort on defense, you're looking at James Ennis as somebody who has more physical tools um, in terms of athleticism, but also in terms of length, that he can be more productive on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and again, as we talked about, the complementary kind of fifth piece of the starting lineup where he's able to kind of slash and do some other things as opposed to Gary Clark, who um, is more stationary and probably standing still in the corner. Very well said. All right, give me your series prediction for uh, for what you think is going to happen. Uh, I got I have the uh, the Bucks winning in five games. Uh, I have the Bucks winning in four games, and my hope is that one of the four is uh, within two possessions. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really as, as good much as you can hope for, and this is coming from me, Mister you know, Optimistic and whatnot. Like I will say that if the Magic can win uh, game one which is always the one to get as the underdog in a series. Uh, typically, Game 5 is a throwaway because it's back, you know, it's, it's, they have home court advantage, so you're going back up there, you're down 3-1. In this situation, it's neutral. Yeah. So uh, anything could happen, but it probably won't. Yeah, look, and you've said it, I've said it, it really comes down to three-point percentages. Like, I'm, I'm going down the list, and look, you have... Uh, you have guys like, uh, other than Fournier, who shot basically 40% from three. Aaron Gordon's got to be better than 30.8%. Vooch has to be better than 33.9%. Fultz has to be better than 26.7%. Ross, who hopefully he's he's going to be okay now, and he's going to get up to speed with these practices this weekend. But you know, Ross was only 35.1% from three. He wasn't as, as, you know, as scorching hot as he was last season. Augustine... 40% three-point shooter last season, only 34.8 this season. That's got to go way higher, or he's not going to be here with us next season. Um, again, I already said Ennis, 
MCW, he's 29.3. I'm not expecting him to the threes, but if he does, we got a shot right. maybe. So, again, Milwaukee is purposely designs their defense for giving away three-point shooting while they lock you down two-point percentage-wise. Defensively, they're number one in the league when it comes to uh, two-point percentage uh, given up to their opponents. So they want to lock you down in the paint or inside the three-point line. Outside the three-point line, they'll challenge you, but if you make threes, it's not the end of the world. And it's going to be up to Magic to make them pay. That's what it comes down to it. So you got any other closing thoughts before we get out of here? Now, very quickly, if we're allowed to share, I do want to say that both of us – took advantage of the Magic's second screen experience through Fox Sports and were able to come away as Magic trivia winners. Yeah, we did. Uh, so I, I'm actually, I'm going to post a picture to Twitter. I have a, I want a three-pack of fabric masks, and I will say that they're very high quality. You've actually purchased the masks, so we both have a set. Um, if you're looking for masks to wear in public, I do recommend them. There's a spot to put a filter in, too, which is kind of cool. And you want a pretty cool product. I got some uh, airline miles, too, which is cool. You got more than yeah. some. You yeah. got a decent amount. Now, your prize was much cooler than mine. What did you win? So, also, if you buy the fabric masks, I think the Magic are still donating the proceeds to a Second Harvest Food Bank, which Very is why nice I did it initially. So, um, good, good on the organization for doing that, hopefully still. Um, but for what I won is I won a uh, City Edition warm-up, and I didn't get to pick the size because it was, I guess, authentic player one, even though it didn't have like a player number or anything on it. But um, it's really cool. It's this zip-up hoodie. Uh, that is super comfortable. It's just double XL tall, tall, which it. I'm six one, and the bottom of it goes just above my knees, probably. <laughs> um, the bottoms are great too. It's the snap off pull off ones, which I've never owned a pair. I don't think of snap off pull off warm pants. They're it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. Um, they're XL. Uh, they're extra large, tall. So they're a little bit long on me. It's not bad. It's not as noticeable as the as the top portion, but. It's still really cool. Um, I think it's worth like 300 bucks. Like I got checked on the Magic site, and those things, even when they go on sale, they still, because they're authentic, they go for like over 250 So um, it's really cool that the Magic have been giving out prizes to people. Pretty and- sweet prizes and pretty fast delivery. And I'm without any authority, I'm going to go ahead... And I, I want to give something away to, to a listener, if you'll allow it. Okay, what do you want to give away, Penny? So here's what we're going to do, and, and check me if I'm doing anything wrong here. But the, the secret word for this episode is potato. And if you tweet us potato, we are going to enter you into a contest, and we'll figure out domestic shipping, and we'll figure out a prize, and Pops will post a picture of the prize for you to see, and we will send it out and share in the winnings. So if you follow along and you listen regularly... Uh, we love it. If you're a new listener, we love it. The word for this episode is potato. Spell you, it however which way you want, yeah. as long as it looks like potato. Dan we'll, Quayle we'll can tweet us, and it'll be fine. Uh, but we want to get in on on you know the excitement and the joy of the playoffs, um, and and give someone a, a pretty cool magic prize. Yep. So we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating especially since we're giving out prizes now. That'd be nice. Uh, Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way.